It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. COVID in meat plants, the Beef Task Force and the TB Forum were all in the news this week. The Forestry Licences and Appeals Bill went to the Dáil, having been discussed in the Shannon last week. Our Tagusk Advisory looks at the tillage harvest. We also have a topic on the black grass threat to the cereal industry. We hear from a new agri-graduate at Dairy Gold as she starts out on her career. And as always, Farm Talk's John O'Connor looks at stories making the agri-news this week. Farm Talk on C103. The Irish Times reported this week there are no plans to bring in legislation granting the government powers to forcibly close meat plants over the COVID-19 outbreaks. While the government has powers to close pubs and restaurants under COVID-19 emergency regulations, it has no such powers for meat plants or other businesses. Irish Mail on Sunday reported the HSE sought legal advice in May on its power to close the meat plants. It was informed any such closures would be unlikely to stand up in court. It's understood that since then no moves have been made to draft legislation and there are no immediate plans to do so. Meat plants have been the site of several outbreaks since the beginning of the pandemic and have attracted criticism for their treatment of workers. Last month, Neffet said there had been almost 1,500 cases of COVID-19 linked to 28 meat or poultry factories around the state. This includes 226 cases associated with just one plant in July. The plant located in Cork did not cease operations after the outbreak. A handful of meat plants closed temporarily during the lockdown of Kildare Leash and Offaly, but did so on a voluntary basis. The Department of Health spokesperson didn't answer when asked if there were plans for stronger legislation in the area. ICSA says the Beef Task Force needs to be more focused on delivering for farmers. After last week's meeting, ICSA President Edmund Phelan said the organisation wouldn't support the PGI grass-fed application in its current format. Bourdbia made a comparison with Michelin star restaurants, but missed the point only a very few elite restaurants get that accolade. ICSA wants to see a coherent plan to develop suckler beef as a premium product. The association also said it wasn't happy with the proposed government structures for this PGI. The proposal to have a monitoring group with only two farmers' representatives wasn't acceptable and instead ICSA wants to see a controlling board which would have majority farmer representation. ICMSA says the opportunity to get PGI for 70% of grass-fed Irish beef should be seized. But Association President Pat McCormack said there was a real danger of squandering the opportunity. 
The department assured ICMSA there would be no conditions imposed on farmers over and above the existing conditions in the board beef and lamb quality assurance scheme. ICMSA believes there's an opportunity to take the first step towards achieving a specific EU recognition for the majority of Irish beef. Pat McCormick said no one pretended the PGI would solve the profitability problems in beef production, but it represented a move in the right direction and the opportunity should be seized without further delay. ICSA Beef Chair Edmund Graham is warning of a bleak outlook for winter finishers, with a no-deal Brexit now becoming a serious possibility. Beef finishers are again being left without any certainty in beef prices or markets. ICSA says the Department of Agriculture, Board Bia and Tagusk have had little to offer in the way of help or advice. It wants meat factories to start making plans for forward contracts with fixed prices. McDonald's said it has no plans to stop purchasing Irish beef for the UK market. Its commitment to Irish farmers comes as concerns grow over the threat of a no-deal Brexit. Farming Independent reports in 2017, direct spend from McDonald's with suppliers here accounted for €53 million. More than 1,900 farmers in Ireland supply beef to the fast food chain all over the country. Well, in Europe this week, the EU Council agreed a new €7.5 billion recovery fund for rural communities and farmers in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Ireland South MEP Billy Kelleher says the Parliament is working hard to ensure farmers will get access to the funds ASAP. Ireland, especially its economy, has been devastated by the COVID-19 crisis. Rural communities have been severely impacted. Certain farming sectors already struggling due to price volatility are now facing a very uncertain future. Quite rightly, the European Council has responded by agreeing a £7.5 billion recovery package to support farmers and rural communities. These welcome and much-needed funds will help Ireland's agricultural sector recover from the impact of the COVID-19 crisis. While final details, including how much Irish farmers will receive, are currently being finalised at European level, rest assured that the European Parliament is working hard to ensure Irish farmers get access to these recovery funds as quickly as possible. Investing in our farmers and in rural development is a proven way of revitalising communities, and I as your MEP, and committed to fighting for as much support as possible. That's the Ireland South MEP, Billy Kelleher. I face welcome the contribution of the Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, to the TB Forum meeting. The Minister directed officials to provide the Forum members with a draft TB strategy and to initiate bilateral meetings with the farming organisations in particular as a matter of urgency to develop an agreed approach in achieving the eradication of TB in the shortest possible time frame. IFA Animal Health Chair Pat Farrell said the Department of Agriculture has also agreed to address the issue of the TB letters and blacklisting of farmers in bilateral discussions. ICSA also welcomed the reconvening of the TB Forum and the full ministerial participation. There are still contentious issues to be resolved and ICSA is committed to working in a collaborative way with all relevant stakeholders. Animal Health and Welfare Chair Hugh Farrell again condemned the issuing of TB Heard History Risk Statements and the way in which the department brought it upon themselves to bring in herd categorisation by the back door. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue TD, has chaired his first meeting of the Dairy Forum on Wednesday, September 30th by video conference. 
The Dairy Forum brings all key stakeholders in the sector together to discuss the strategic development of the dairy sector, including farm organisations, the primary and secondary dairy processing sectors, and also banking and state agency representatives. Minister McConnell said that keeping milk and dairy products moving from farm to processor to the marketplace had taken a Herculean effort by all present at the forum. He said it reflected the commitment and collective effort which characterises the dairy sector in Ireland. Minister McConnell acknowledged the good work already being done to improve the environmental performance of the dairy sector. He stressed this effort must be maintained and he said that as the agri-food sector we will be asked to increase our ambitions in terms of mitigating impacts on the environment into the future. This, he said, was an ask that's being put on all sectors of the economy and agriculture will have to play its part. The Minister also stressed that in relation to calf welfare the highest standards must be maintained. The Dairy Forum included a substantive discussion on the market situation, an update on the Agri-Food Strategy 2030 and access to finance. Also, presentations from both the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine and the offices of the Revenue Commissioners on Brexit were put before the Forum. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Last week we discussed the Agricultural Amendments Bill In particular, the legislation to improve the forestry licensing and appeals system. Senator Tim Lombard explained how the bill was passing through the Shannon and its progress to Dáil Éireann, where it was discussed on Wednesday. Senator Lombard had tellingly made the point about the threat to jobs because timber mills, like the operation in Enniskeen in West Cork, weren't able to get their hands on raw materials and that these would begin to be imported from Scotland, despite the acres of forestry round Ireland. Well, in the Dáil, the government sought to further the legislation, allocating six hours of debate on improving the functioning of the forestry licensing and appeals system. The Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnellogue, introduced the bill in the House with his outline of the forestry industry as it stands. Um, I'd like to say something about the forestry sector and our plans for its expansion. I don't have to tell this audience that we have ambitious plans. You can see that in the programme for government. We want to expand deforestation beyond the current level of 11% onto the target of 8,000 hectares per, per year. In doing so, we want to plant diverse and resilient forests. These will include all types of forestry, productive, mixed, native woodlands and recreational forests. We want to promote sustainable forest management. We want to grow healthy forests which will sustain our timber industry, an industry which supports many jobs in our rural communities. Equally, we want healthy and expanding forests to contribute to our climate change, biodiversity and societal goals. Forestry is an integral part of our response to the climate change challenge as recognised in the 2019 Climate Action Plan, which is currently under revision. It has also a role to play in contributing to halting the, the loss of biodiversity as outlined in the National Biodiversity Plan. I believe it is all about having a forestry system which contributes to our aims as a society. After all, forests and woodlands are multifunctional. Productive forests produce an economic good which those who have invested land and forestry over many years depend upon. These forests provide jobs for those who plant, who harvest and who work in sawmills. Then there are the pallets, building materials and other wood-based products produced at the end of the process which we all use and need. Forests are also, also occupy wonderful community and recreational spaces in many parts of the country. My department's neighbourhood scheme has brought communities together to revitalise and plant woodlands solely for recreational use. 
These are collaborative efforts which promote a healthy enjoyment of the outdoors for all age groups. This is something which has taken on even more importance during these times. I am sure we would all agree that a stroll through our nearby woodland is good for both the heart and the soul. Our native woodlands are also a resource of pride, and I am more than pleased that the area being planted with our native species is on the rise. These are biodiversity hotspots, and as part of the Host a Hive initiative, align with the National Pollinator Plan. Farm forestry is something I am very keen to see more of, as trees in a farmland setting can deliver many benefits. Shelter belts can provide shelter for animals and from wind, and when sensitively planted near rivers can prevent erosion and flooding. They can contribute to water quality and to our water framework directive obligations. Trees planted in the right place can also provide connectivity corridors for wildlife. I'm acutely aware that we must promote forests which respond to the evolving needs of our society. That will be the aim of the new forestry programme and, and the new forestry strategy. That strategy will be, shared, will be a shared endeavour requiring action from public bodies, landowners, foresters, communities and businesses. But before we get to that, we need a properly functioning licensing and appeal system. Every tree planted, felled and every forest road built must have a licence. And all in this House know that these licences are, are, are not available because of delays in the licensing and appeal system. This is unsustainable and no encouragement to anyone who wants to plant. In fact, because of these delays, the very future of the sector is at risk, with jobs in sawmills up and down the country under pressure as a result. That is why this bill is so important and so urgently needed. My department is beginning to address the delays in issuing licences, but good progress is being, being made, or but good progress being made is being hampered by long delays in dealing with appeals. This serves neither the landowner nor the appellant, and they mo both have a right to a timely decision from the Forestry Appeals Committee. I fully support the changes proposed in the bill. I believe that they are suitable to the task at hand, that of improving the functioning of the appeal system. Having a committee which can sit in divisions, ensuring the relevant information is provided when an appeal is lodged, and charging a reasonable fee are all sound provisions. The independence of the committee in dealing with individual cases is fully protected in this bill, as is the right of any party to appeal directly to the committee. While I welcome the option I have of prioritising certain classes of appeal, that is not something I would undertake lightly. To be clear, I may direct the committee to hear certain classes of appeal, but I may not, of course, interfere in any way in an individual appeal. Finally, I think the importance of this issue has been more than demonstrated by the levels of response to the public consultation. People wish to see the system fixed and fixed quickly. We can move closer to that aim by bringing this bill to conclusion. The Minister for Agriculture, Charlie McConnell, there on introducing the bill on the forestry licensing and appeals system in the Dáil. Well, Labour spokesman on agriculture, Cork East TD, Sean Sherlock, called for a root and branch review of the entire forestry policy outside of the current bill, which is designed to clear the tree felling licence backlog. He said the bill alone is not the answer to the problems that exist within the sector at the moment and that these issues need to be rectified, ensuring a seamless, fit-for-purpose forestry sector that recognises the challenges of afforestation and increasing beyond 11% the rate of cover. Here's a flavour of what Sean Sherlock offered in the debate. That the Agriculture Committee, I, I believe strongly, needs to be able to come together to work with the ministers in a way that takes, shines some degree of light into how the Forestry Service operates 
and unlock any of the impediments uh, you know, against the granting of licences in a way that is balanced between the needs of industry and the needs of ensuring that ecology and the environment uh, are, are not damaged or, or put upon, if you will, uh, in any way. That gives a voice to all of the stakeholders who, you know, through the 8,000-odd, 9,000-odd submissions, that they find some voice through the Agriculture Committee to, to, to contextualise, if you will, those submissions in a way that gives a, a public hearing and a voice to those people. Because I think, again, if we can land on a, a position in relation to uh, the workings of the Forestry Service, uh, you know, I think we need to have an opportunity to have a, a hearing or some public articulation of, of and give further voice after this legislation is passed in respect of how we feel the Forestry Service needs to operate or to at least appear uh, or, or, or at least to hear from uh, maybe independents and others in the sector uh, and hear from them as to how they feel the forestry service should operate. And I'm talking about the stakeholders within the industry who are affected by the decisions of the forestry service uh, day in, uh, day out. I just again want to uh, give voice to uh, you know, the frustration of people, which the Minister will have heard from these people as well. You know, I have... Uh, a number of uh, applications here, for instance, where there was one application that was 823 days in the system with no decision. Another application, 681 days in the system with no decision. Another application, 713 days in the system with no decision. Another application, 520 days in the system with no decision. That's unconscionable for any modern public service or civil service or for any modern process uh, in this day and age to take that long to process an appeal or, or to process an application. It, it, it just doesn't... It beggars belief. So I know that the Minister is conscious of that. I... I, I, I absolutely appreciate that she is but again we, we, we need to get to a stage where this is not happening uh, and the sooner that that happens uh, the better Cork East Labour TD spokesman on agriculture Sean Sherlock there was a contribution too from the independent TD Matthew McGrath speaking in favour of the bill and the need for raw materials to become available again to help retain and create employment and he also criticised those holding up the bill with frivolous amendments we want it for real jobs for real people who have trees planted and we have tree huggers and tree lovers holding up a bill clogging it up with amendments frivolous amendments and we want to stop people living in the city here objecting to, to plantations uh, 100, 200 miles away. This is scandalous. Families are being deprived of their living. They can't have the timber. The contractors are deprived of their living. The, the mills are without uh, timber and consequently builders can't get uh, materials to, to build houses. It's, it's practical coming from Deputy White Barrett who's always talking about housing. They were so short-sighted they can't see this. I tell him go plant some trees in his leafy backyard if he wants to and see how trees grow and how we mine them in the country. It's ridiculous. 
Independent TD Matthew McGrath, Cork Southwest Social Democrat TD Holly Cairns issued a statement expressing her frustration at the government for pushing through forestry legislation without proper scrutiny and not accepting amendments. She said the forestry bill was rushed through the doll and the whole process had been incredibly frustrating and is simply bad lawmaking. The forestry sector is in crisis, she said, because of hold-ups in the licensing and appeals system. But instead of providing the resources to clear backlogs, government introduces a new bill instead. The government's argument is that the licensing and appeals process needs to change. But Deputy Cairns says her engagement with the department shows a need to process the appeals in a timely manner. The new bill reduces the way people can participate in decisions that affect their area by adding economic and bureaucratic barriers. The previous government and the department left the situation reach breaking point and the underlying issues still haven't been addressed, making it harder for communities to challenge large developments by corporations in their area. The 2020 World Rabies Day has taken place recently. Ireland has been free from rabies since 1903 and the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine here has policies in place to maintain this freedom from the deadly disease. However, in a statement, the department say Ireland is not free from the risk of rabies as cases have been reported in pets and wildlife throughout Europe in recent years. The department say they are taking this opportunity to highlight the importance of continuing vigilance against rabies, especially if bringing your pet abroad or importing a pet to Ireland. Increasing movements of pet animals through Europe means we must remain vigilant. Everyone in Ireland has a part to play. The most likely way rabies could be brought into Ireland would be through the import of pet or exotic animals. Legislative requirements for importing pet and exotic animals differ by animal species and country of origin. Details can be found on the department's website www.agriculture.gov.ie and click on to the rabies section. Depending on the country of origin, pet and exotic animals entering Ireland may need to be vaccinated against rabies before they arrive here. The department say it's vitally important to understand and comply with all of the legal requirements if importing pet or exotic animals into Ireland. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We continue this week's Farm Talk with our weekly Tagusk advisory. Elaine Clifford is B&T Tillage Advisor in Middleton. I began by asking Elaine to give a brief recap on how the harvest went for growers in Cork this year. So I suppose in short, it was a, a difficult harvest and things got off to an okay start with winter barley being harvested in, in reasonably good conditions. Um, I suppose it had a, a tough start last autumn with the wet conditions, so yields weren't expected to be overly great, but... Um, it, it turned out well in the end anyway. Um, then the weather broke um, at the end of, of August. Um, we got quite a couple of wet, wet weeks, um, which was an ideal for spring barley and, and winter wheat to be harvested. Um, and these crops had, had quite good potential in Cork anyway, especially spring barley compared to um, maybe further up the country in the Midlands and the North East. Um, because we got, we got rain at critical timings during the spring and into the summer. So, um, so they were looking looking well. Um, so it was possibly disappointing when we got those two storms close together at the end of August. Uh, crops broke down quite quickly, and there were significant yield losses in many cases with with heads on the ground, especially down by the coast. And um, the weather eventually came good to start of September, and growers got a, a good run at, at it for a few days. And um, so, tidying up cereals and beans would have been been the last crop and um, the latest crop I suppose to be harvested with the beet getting going now and and maize left to bring in then after so it was tough going overall but um, on average crops did reasonably okay I suppose given the, the year that was in it um, a season maybe that people were glad to see come to an end anyway I think. Maybe there's still a little bit to go for some of the growers over the next few months planting the winter crops and that what can they realistically hope for Elaine? In the two months ahead, I suppose they're going to be critical, Barry, for, for getting the winter crops sown. At the minute, people will be busy spraying off um, the stubbles with volunteers and grass weeds, uh, which is important, and then getting the seedbed ready for the next round um, by cultivating and ploughing down. It's a very good time now to, to go soil sampling, um, and I'd be recommending anyone that has soil samples that are, are due to be retaken, now would be a good time to, to go at that. And maybe even if you're taking on new ground for the season or you have a problem field that, that mightn't be performing as well as you think it should. So it's, it's one sample per five hectares for that, or, or 12 and a half acres, um, to get your fertilizer and your lime recommendations. And to follow on from that, then it's, it's also good timing to, to be getting lime out um, to try and maybe bring up your pH if you have a problem and this will optimize your efficiency of of uptake of nutrients then for the plants going forward into the winter. Um, from a sowing and agronomy side, I suppose, um, integrated pest management is going to be really important for growers, but it is really important for growers um, more, more and more the whole time. But we'd be recommending to try and avoid early sowing anyway of crops. So kind of targeting your mid-October start date for, for sowing, obviously where weather is permitting. Um, if you get an autumn like we did last year, um, things are taken out of your control. But to avoid that early sowing anyway, to um, avoid issues with disease pressure and lodging and uh, barrier dwarf virus and take-all um, for the 
for their crops going into the winter time. Weather is always the variable, Elaine. I suppose ideally, you know, what what sort of a season or seasons would you be looking at now? So ideally, if we could get reasonable conditions from from mid October on to the, the third and fourth week of, week of October, would be ideal for getting winter barley in and then and then wheat as well. Um, oats are a bit hardier and they can um, you can leave them until a little bit later. But we'd be hoping to start in an ideal scenario to be starting in the middle of October with, with winter barley um, and then followed by wheat. And, you know, once reasonable conditions into the winter, then once the crop gets established, it will start, start growing and, uh, and take off then in the springtime. Do you think that the tillage sector will be looking at things a little differently next year? Bearing in mind, of course, all of it is weather-related. It's heavily relying on weather conditions in, in all aspects of, of the enterprise. Um, from start to finish, really. So I suppose all you can do is go by the weather, really, Barry, um, and and try and work your your system as well around that as possible. So like we would be saying to to growers to maybe try and have a a healthy balance between winter and spring crops um, so that you're not not putting all your eggs in one basket with a a winter um, cropping system. So you're kind of splitting the risk. Yes, good advice there. And, of course, Tagisk is available to people if they need that uh, advice and information. And you Absolutely. will, of course, have events coming up over the coming weeks now, I'm sure, which are all relevant to this, Elaine. In terms of the tillage side of it, we we did an autumn seminar online there just a couple of days ago, um, and we were covering the winter cereal variety list from the department. Um, so they, that would be the recommended list of varieties. And... We covered a bit on autumn agronomy uh, for the next two months and phosphorus and potassium um, fertilizer for winter crops. Um, so we had it online and people were able to register, but we actually recorded it. So we're hoping to get that onto our, our Cocky East YouTube channel in the coming days and anyone that's interested can view it on there then as well. The West Cork region are actually running a dairy startup course and it's open for application at the minute. So this course is for people that are getting into dairy and are converting their farm to dairy. Um, it's, It's kind of in two phases and there's four days training would be the start of it in November. So that's open for application, and anyone that's interested can ring the uh, Clonakilty, the McCroom, or Skibbereen offices um, for more information and to, to book your place. And then, secondly, in Cork East, um, we're holding an online beef webinar similar to the tillage one that was held, um, and that is on Thursday, the 8th of October at half seven. And um, so you can contact your local advisor for, for more details, but it's you register online first, and we'll be sending out a text to our clients, and we'll be advertising this on our website and our Twitter and Facebook pages. But the presenters for that event would be Charles Vass from Zeotis, and he's covering vaccination and animal health. And then Joe Patton, who is our Chagas nutritionist, he's covering winter, winter feeding, and Shane McCarthy is covering autumn management for grass and key upcoming dates. And Shane is the local beef advisor here in the Middleton office. Elaine Clifford, B&T Tillage Advisor with Tiagosk in Middleton. In the last few years, a new threat, black grass, has emerged to Ireland's 1.3 billion euro tillage sector. Farm Talk's John O'Connor joins me to take a closer look at the black grass weed, the threat, and points to where some more information may be obtained to help counter the threat. 
Hi Barry, the tinnage sector supports the equivalent of about 11,000 full-time jobs and has been valued at 1.3 billion euro recently. These figures are based on an August 2020 report by Professor Michael Wallace, School of Agriculture and Food Science, University College in Dublin. So John, what does blackgrass look like and could its title be a misnomer? Is it actually black? The title, Barry, as you hint there, could be misleading. You're right to raise the point. It can tend towards a purplish hue against a greenish background. First, let's look at black grass seedlings. Seedling leaves are fine and smooth, with shiny upper surface, often blue-green, stem bases often purple. The leaf blade is twisted with a blunt tip. The heads have a narrow pointed panicle, 2 to 13 centimetres long, 3 to 6 centimetres in diameter. Heads often tinted purplish. The seed heads can be extremely prolific. Given half a chance, they can produce on average 100 seeds per head. One plant on one metre squared of land per hectare can return 6 million, repeat, 6 million seeds in just one season with a survival rate of between three and five years, and one ag chemical company, a well-known company, Webpage, claims they can survive in the soil for up to ten years. And what time of year, John, do the seeds tend to germinate? 80% germinate between August and October. The later drilling takes place, the more time to get on top of the germinating black grass seedlings. And any notable black grass characteristics? It's a tall, erect, annual grass weed reaching 20 to 90 centimetres in height, forming either a single shoot or a clump, depending on the competitiveness of the crop. Stems round and slender with few nodes. Look out for that purplish hue. And can you give sources of information on black grass detection and perhaps countermeasures? First port of call could be your Chagask advisor, your co-op advisor, or co-op retail shop, or online, where one or more of the websites operated by the big agrichemical companies provide exhaustive data, including coloured illustrations of black grass in all its stages. Just Google black grass. And is it possible to quantify the potential damage to cereal crops from black grass? It's an extremely resistant uh, plant to herbicides and countermeasures. Chagas sources warn that black grass has the ability to devastate the cereal industry in Ireland if not controlled. Mr Michael Hennessy, Chagas Head of Crops Knowledge Transfer, warns against being over-optimistic on herbicide solutions alone. So then, an urgent alert to any and all cereal farmers. Examine your crop and land to safeguard against black grass. Definitely, Barry. And incidentally, the farm organisations have been warning for years about the threat of black grass and various uh, invasive weed species being imported accidentally in grain cargoes. All of the big agrochemical companies offer extensive information on the internet. Black grass is an increasing threat, but advice is offered. Farm Talk on C103. We continue this week's Farm Talk and we meet Dairy Gold's new agri-graduate, Roisin O'Donnell. Our topic, which we'll begin this week and continue next week, centres on silage testing. But first, a little about Roisin and her new career, which she's just embarking on. Look, I suppose I just completed Ag Science in uh, WIT. I was on the President's Scholarship down there. So I've just finished that now, just May time there. And I applied uh, last year for the graduate programme here in Dairy Gold. And I got accepted then. Uh, there was two or three rounds of interviews. And from there then I got accepted in. So I started there in July 
um, down here in Lumberstown. So from there now, I've been uh, landed in the deep end, but I'm getting on okay anyway. Well, so I think anyway. While you're on the Agri graduate course there now, and you're telling me it's over two years with Derryold, what do you expect to be involved in, Roisin? Yeah, I suppose the beauty of the graduate program here in Derryold is that you get maybe two to three rotations. So I, had to, I started in the lab and did a month there and got to see what kind of testing they do over there. And I got moved then into inside sales where I'm on the team there. And I suppose I'll be heading up uh, the Silas and Silage campaign for 2020 into 2021. And I'll be able to move then to another section depending on where an area comes up available. So overall, I guess you, you can get a good look at the company overall and see the different stages and what's happening. What would you like to do as, as, as you evolve, having gone through all the college and schooling that you've done? Where would you like to see it take you? I suppose we're very interested in the grass side of things and I suppose sustainable farming in the future is going to be a major part. Like we're not going to be able to farm without sustainability by our side. So I suppose maybe an area sales manager or something like that might be a possibility, but I'd be very interested in research uh, as well. So I'd have to see where the road takes me, I suppose. Okay, so in at the deep end then, Roisin, with our topic this week, we're looking at uh, grass growth. It's obviously beginning to slow and will slow further over the coming weeks. And then silage emerging into many of the diets across the country. So farmers must be conscious and plan to start closing off paddocks. If we take a brief look first at grass growth and ground conditions, how are they holding up mm-hmm. at the moment? Yeah, very. weather over the past two weeks has been um, pretty good for this time of the year. If we just look at the rainfall across Cork and across the country, we'll say on average about 48 mils of rain was recorded in September compared to 91 mils in, to, in September in 2019. And like this trend can be replicated across the country, so ground is of, uh, in good condition. If we look at soil temperatures, they're very good at the moment at about 14 degrees, which will maintain good grass growth in the coming weeks for us. And I suppose it's a combination of good grass growth and cr- ground conditions it set us up nicely for an extended graze into the back end of the year. I suppose I was walking a few farms there over the last few weeks and a lot of farms are saying their average farm cover is slightly behind on other years, which is kind of worrying. Looking at one lad there and he was stocked at three livestock units per hectare and his average farm cover this time of year should usually be around 1,150 kilos. But he had a farm cover of 934 kilos, which is about 200 kilos behind where it should be. So which growth rates this week averaged around between 35 and 40 kgs of dry matter per day. This issue can be easily and quickly rectified. Um, it's acted on now before the grass growth kind of drops away and it'll be more expensive to solve the issue then. Correct farm cover issues, I'd advise simply you just need to reduce your demand so that grass growth can pick up and fill the gap there. And I suppose there's a number of ways in which farmers can do that. If they took a late cut of silage or there's cattle that can be moved off of the milking block, it'll help reduce demand and increase farm cover. And another um, simple way is if there's no ground that can be brought back in, uh, some, the addition of some high-quality surface size that was maybe taken off paddocks during the year could be brought back in. But look, I suppose the introduction of silage is an OK option if you have enough forage for the winter and you've done a forage budget and you know you're OK for silage. But if you don't have enough silage, I'd be very slow to use it up because you're only creating a problem for further down the line. I suppose the simplest and most effective option for farmers is to increase concentrates into the diet for a short period of time, and this will allow grass growth to catch up. This option kind of keeps cows on a consistent diet. There's no new feed added in, 
it's just a change in the ratios between grass and concentrate. And as a whole, it's not increased production. And I suppose it's the most labour-friendly option for farmers. There's no extra effort required on like if you have to go off feeding the silage and so on. And I suppose more Park has given us the research that has shown that each day we can get cows out grazing in the spring is worth two euros and seventy cents per cow per day of extra profit to us, and that each one day delay, including the closing day after the twenty fifth of September, results in a reduction of sixteen kilos of dry matter in spring. So, look, Barry, running down the average farm cover this time of the year is going to have a negative impact on the opening covers in the spring, and this is going to cost us in terms of feed cost, production costs, and extra labour on farmers. We all know we love to see the cows going out in the spring, so if we want that day to come, we must plan for that day today. Derry Gull's new agri-graduate, Roisin O'Donnell. We'll be hearing more from her on the topic of silage testing there next week. Food Safety Authority of Ireland, FSAI, has warned consumers who are allergic to or intolerant of normal derived food like egg, milk, fish, mollusks and crustaceans on the possible danger of consuming vegan products in the belief such foods are completely free of animal-based allergens. It states consumers sometimes assume a food declared as vegan contains absolutely no ingredient of animal origin in line with the ethos of veganism. This is not always the case, as low-level accidental cross-contamination from animal-based allergens can occur during the production process. FSAI is urging food businesses who make vegan-labelled food to double efforts to ensure production and packaging processes are sufficient to minimise the risk of cross-contamination with animal-derived ingredients. Five Cork-based Aldi suppliers won accolades at the Great Taste Awards. Skeynanore, West Cork Farm, Irish Yogurts of Clonakilty, Coolmore Fresh Foods Bandon, Carberry Group from Ballinine and Velo Coffee Roasters from Ballyvillan. Great Taste Awards are organised by the Guild of Fine Food and the world's largest and most trusted food and drink awards. And three of Ballymaloo Foods products awarded stars at this year's prestigious Great Taste International. Ballymaloo Pickled Irish Beetroot, Ballymaloo Original Relish and Ballymaloo Mayo awarded stars. The beetroot used by Ballymaloo Foods has a strong level of connection to the farm. It's all grown locally in East Cork. Board Bia's National Potato Day was Friday, October 2nd. The annual celebration honours one of Ireland's favourite foods, the versatile and delicious potato. Board B is sharing a series of engaging potato recipes and kitchen skills videos on its social media channels, along with simple and easy to prepare potato recipes on boardbia.ie. IFA is asking consumers, retailers and the food services sector to support Irish potato growers. The industry is a critical indigenous sector worth €80 million at the farm gate. 400 growers plant over 8,000 hectares annually and the acreage this year is similar to last year's figures, although historically low. This year's yields predicted to be just average with the market balance between supply and demand. Bread has emerged as the food item that people waste the most. A study by the EPA shows 41% of people say they throw bread away, closely followed by fruit and veg, both at 39%. 29% of people surveyed said they wasted less food during the COVID-19 lockdown. Irish households produce around €700 Euro worth of food waste per year. Tagus Forestry Development Departments launched a forest photo competition to run over October and November. Celebrating our forests will highlight some of the many benefits provided by forestry. It's an opportunity for budding non-professional photographers to get snapping right away and be in with a chance of winning exciting prizes, with the overall winning prize valued at €1,000. Euro. To kick off the competition, 
The first theme, Forest Landscapes, runs until October 15th and participants can familiarise themselves with the competition terms and conditions as well as entry requirements in advance of photograph submission on the Tiagisk website, tiagisk.ie forward slash forest photos. The Minister for State in the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, has launched the Code of Good Practice regarding the responsible use of antimicrobials in sheep. Launching it, Minister Hackett said, This Code of Good Practice will serve as a useful tool for sheep farmers as they work to address the One Health challenges of AMR, antimicrobial resistance. The Minister welcomed the Code as a means of highlighting the continued global concern in relation to AMR, antimicrobial resistance, and its potential threat to human and animal health, as well as the challenges to food security and the environment. Minister Hackett commented, Antibiotics need to be safeguarded for the benefit of both humans and animals, and strategies to reduce the use of antibiotics in both human and animal health sectors is seen as a key intervention. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. And thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahady. Thanks for listening. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.